Hey Nate, um, I'm here, man. But I, uh, I tried to come up with something, but I've got nothing uh, to bring that's funny. So I don't know how we're gonna start the show. You brought your face. Really? That's what we're okay. You know, fine. Yeah, I got nothing either. Enjoy your stay, Cloud City. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking Cloud. Don't get excited. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. Of course, we are part of the Star Wars Report Network, and, um,. I'm the administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morris, and with me, as always, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. So, man, um, we finished recording last time, and then the next day, Fantasy Flight Games is like, here is all the news. Pretty much. And the last episode, though, was pretty chock full of news. Mm-hmm. It's just that it wasn't the newest of the news, I guess. Right, right. And... uh I know that because you even told me you're like I thought we talked about this. I'm like no, uh, I just saw it and then spent hours like combing through all of it and then messaging you, be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's this and this and this. And then you're like, didn't we talk about this on the show? No, no, just mm-hmm. uh, just me going nuts over it. Uh, and then we wind up talking about some of it right before we record, and I'm sitting there, I'm pulling. Jonathan, for those who are familiar with Rebels Roundtable, going save it for the show. <laughs> I can't help it. There's so much uh, to talk about, so much that's exciting me right now. Um, so I tell you what, though, let's kind of mention a few things first before we even get into the uh, some of the Fantasy Flight stuff, because uh, there's plenty of other stuff as well. So as we're recording this today, last night. Uh, for, I guess, the Olympics. That's the thing that's going on right now, supposedly, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, it's something about swimming in feces or something. I don't know. I didn't realize that was an Olympic sport, but I've always been a winter guy. It, it is in Brazil, apparently. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's just, yeah. So anyhow, um, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a winter Olympics guy. I freaking love the winter Olympics, which to my understanding is uh, the opposite of everyone else, though. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think the Summer Olympics is the one that's, um, the most popular, but I don't know. I love the Winter Olympics, bobsledding, curling, all that stuff. It's dude curling. I remember the mm-hmm. first time I saw it being so confused and then mm-hmm. I had to research the heck out of it to figure out how it went. And now every time there's curling in the Olympics, I'm like, I want to see them. Yes. It's, it is really, really addicting. I, I was, um. You know, the, the last Winter Olympics, I was sitting there watching uh, a buddy of mine let me use his uh, his little Comcast code or whatever it was so that I can actually pull up each individual curling game so I could watch all the curling games for both the men and the women. And uh, it's funny because, like, my friends, they thought, oh, okay, you know, you like this or whatever. And I start talking about stuff, and they're like, wow, you actually know, like, all the terminology and everything. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't kidding. I really like curling. <laughs> so Winter Olympics is where it's at for me. Uh that starts happening again, then I'll be excited. But until then, but every, everybody yeah. last night though, mm-hmm. they were flipping and all kinds of stuff. Cause they were excited, not about trying to win gold. What were they flipping for? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Getting to the point. The, the, there's a star Wars topic in here somewhere. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. This isn't the Olympics podcast. Cause it would be very short if it were, uh, the rogue one trailer premiered last night or the newest one, I suppose. Woohoo! And it's not the one from 
Celebration Europe, that short little tiny one that's just sort of the driving boom, 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 boom thing that I got to see from somebody filming it in their crotch or something. Right. Uh, it's not that one. This one's about two minutes and shows us a lot of new footage, including finally getting to see the U-Wing in action mm-hmm. at least a little bit. Uh, we get to see a little bit more of Saw Guerrero, which is impactful, of course, now because we know who the character is. It is not just Forrest Whitaker in Star Wars. Uh, I was impressed by it. I think that this is going to be a fantastic film, but you, again, can really feel that war movie vibe coming from it, which I like, but I know there will be some who criticize it because it's not the the more lighthearted fantasy that you would get out of, say, the original trilogy or um, uh, or The Force Awakens. It's It's different. Yeah, but I still think that we're going to get that, though. I, I think at the end of the day, my personal opinion is that Star Wars has this specific feel to it, and every one of them that has come out has has managed to have that in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, because I think a lot of people, when they start describing and trying to think about it, that they start to sort of lose um, the reality of, of Star You know, they start saying, oh, well, you know, it's like light. And I'm like, Star Wars has never really been like super lighthearted. I mean, let's remember the first one, uh, our main character saw his uh, parental figures, you know, immolated. Um, or, or let, at least let the- him go away. He was like, he's like, I want to go with you to Alderaan. When really inside, he's thinking, party time on my own. <laughs> yes, I, I'll always think of the uh, the card that Mark Hamill signed. Um, it's pretty much of his face at that point. And he's like, now I can go to Tashi Station anytime I want. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, like I said, it's always sort of had a, a decent balance. I think this one will be more so like maybe Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith, where we're going to get, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll start to kind of, the, the pendulum will swing over to uh, darker more often. But I still think, especially from watching this trailer, I still think that there's going to be some bright spots, you know, especially like, uh, is it K2SO? Who's like, my master says you're a friend, so I will not kill you. Awesome. That's words to live by right there. You should put that on a tombstone. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm very psyched. I'm psyched to see the film. I I mean, every time they show us more, it's getting more interesting. I Mm -hmm. have not kept track of like the character names and whatnot because I want it to be somewhat of a fresh experience, even though I'm seeing a lot of previews and bits and pieces. So, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And I, I find it even more interesting. And I posted this to the Star Wars Timeline Gold's Facebook page that there's apparently a group out there that's going a very tiny tiny, tiny group, it would seem, who are going to boycott it now that they found out that Saw Gerrera's in it and so is Bail Organa. Huh! Prequel characters? Never. So apparently um, the craziness of fandom constantly finding ways to divide itself is continuing even over Rogue One, which isn't even out yet. And isn't a new storytelling era either. It's I don't know, the, the fandom dynamics, the fandom sociology stuff always fascinates me, and I, I didn't expect Rogue One to be a lightning rod for any of that. Yeah, so I, I know what you're talking about, and if, if I'm not mistaken, because I, I looked into that, essentially that was the actual, that movement, quote-unquote, was... Is it like a guy or something? No, I think it was a few people, but it was sort of one of those things where they were all being uh, facetious, 
And I don't know if I know an article. I want to say an article was written that may have not known they were facetious. I may be uh, wrong on that. They may totally just be a bunch of uh, special individuals. But I think they were just like, oh man, you know, because prequels. So therefore, this is a prequel. So we don't want anything that's, um, you know, involves a prequel. Therefore, uh, we're against it. You know, and then they were just kind of going on, like building upon the joke, basically. Right. I think that's what was going on. I may be wrong. Yeah. I mean, we have some special yeah. individuals out there, but I do like to at least try to give people the benefit of the doubt. So <laughs> you keep saying special individuals, and I picture like a line of people grabbing their helmets and crayons, and they <laughs> slip their helmet over their head, and it's like Crayola standing by or something. Uh, probably not the best way to put that. So yeah, yeah. so we got our uh, trailer for that. We also mm-hmm. got. I'm not even sure you called a trailer because it was a press release, but there was like a little preview thing because it was mentioned on the Star Wars show. But we got another Star Wars film coming home shortly before Rogue One hits theaters. So what's that all about? Uh, so the way you just put it, I'm not really 100% certain, but I, I suppose you're talking about the 3D announcement? Yes. Okay, sorry. I don't watch that uh, that show. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either, but I've been meaning to because I like the Rebels Recon stuff and, mm-hmm. and constantly catching Pablo Hidalgo drinking his coffee. So I no. want to see all of that show. I just haven't had a chance to get around to it. But yes, the 3D announcement, the collector's edition of The Force Awakens. Yeah. So I know that um, we we talked about... Um, you know, we talked about the, the rumors of a um, one coming with the prequels... But with this announcement, we didn't hear anything about that. It was just about the uh, the, the 3D announcement, which is also going to have some special edition st- or some behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, basically what they announced was that starting on October 31st and running through basically the end of November, there's a staggered release of what they're calling Star Wars The Force Awakens 3D Collector's Edition. Um, the United States will get it on November 5th. The UK gets it on the 31st and so on. And at least in... Our region, which is region A, when it comes to Blu-rays, are one for DVD. We're getting four discs, and it looks like one of them is a 3D Blu-ray, of course, of the film. One of them is presumably the same Blu-ray we got before of the film, except it appears that they've changed the labels on them. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get a uh, another couple of discs that, from what I can tell, one of them looks like it's a DVD, and another one looks like it's more bonus features. Um, or it could just be that we're getting the 3D with the... Bo- it's, it's hard to tell exactly what it is, but they did say there's some new bonus features just for this one. There's an audio commentary now for J.J. Abrams. They don't say whether that's on the 3D version or regular version or both. Probably just 3D because they love to repackage the same authored discs over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting Foley, A Sonic Tale, and Sounds of the Resistance, so both sound-based featurettes. Uh, more deleted scenes beyond what was on the original release uh, earlier this year. Okay. Dressing the Galaxy, which is about the costumes. Uh, and they're going to take the two special features that were digital Target exclusives mm-hmm. originally. Uh, and they're putting those onto the discs as well. So we've got uh, the Scavenger and the Stormtrooper, a conversation with Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, and Inside the Armory. And then they haven't said all... But most or all of the bonus features from the previous release mm-hmm. are being included again in this release. Um, so it's 3D, new bonus features. That's the big selling points. But the big right. controversy point is, well, hey, 
There's bonus features we've already seen before. How dare you have us rebuy stuff from a few months back? For a home video collector like me, I'm thinking, dude, this is actually kind of cool because this right. is about the first time they have ever given us a new release of something that actually carried over the bonus features from the previous one. So technically you could just own one and right. not have to keep both in your collection to have all the bonus features. So I'm I'm excited. I'm not too stoked about November 15th instead of 31st for the U.S., but I guess if the U.K. and some other regions got screwed on the first release having to wait a week or two, it's our turn. Right, and I mean, honestly, looking at it this way, would you rather have the first release or the second release come later? That's true. I'd rather have the first release uh, mm -hmm. come earlier or the second release be later, although I'm hoping that those digital bits rumors that we were hearing that they're still saying even after this was announced mm -hmm. digital bits is still reporting the same thing about expect to see a 3d package of the prequels coming up later this year um I, there's a part of me that says i really hope that is happening not just because i think it'd be cool but from a logical standpoint I think that if they're packaging that and this for release at the same time, you can say, oh, well, this is just the 3D wave being released. Right. Otherwise, I do think those who are griping, want, including myself back in the day, uh, why didn't they just release the 3D one in the first friggin' place like most movies do? Um, I think that's a valid concern because yeah. uh, if there aren't other 3D movies, this feels like some extreme double dipping within a matter of months. Right. And honestly... I kind of feel like that may be what's happening. I mean, I may be wrong, uh, but just because they didn't announce both at the same time, they may be waiting to release it later, say, oh, not only are you going to get that, this is going to be coming too, so you have the option of choosing between the two. Um, but I'm wondering if... Um, now, remind me again, what's the release date on this, did they say? Um, For the U.S., it's November 15th, but they start rolling out worldwide, starting with places like the U.K. and Sweden and such, on the 31st of October. Okay. So, you know what? That's kind of late. So, I wouldn't... I would hope that they would not do um, the... the the larger pack, uh, you know, the, with the prequels. Um, I would hope they wouldn't do that later, that they would release it at the same time, but they still might. I mean, they may wait till the first of the year or something to release those. Um, that part, you know, if it happens, it happens, but I'm really hoping they don't do it that way just because I don't really want to buy this one, you know, just the regular uh, TFA um, and then turn around and buy those because I would essentially be buying this just for um, all of the, the special features, which I'll do, but, um, you know, I mean, if, if, I, if I have yeah. it my way, I'd rather just get the one, you know? Well, I'm thinking that, you know, it, that was something that actually kind of had me scratching my head when they were initially talking about those rumors was, I understand it'd be a 3D pack, but it would really make sense to have episodes one, two, three, seven in a box. Um, and I think that having it be seven separately and then maybe a box of just one, two, and three in, in 3D or maybe even individual releases. Like, I mean, in 2006, when they re-released the original trilogy, unless you bought a tin containing them at Best Buy, there weren't box set releases in 2006. They were just the individual films. Whether it's individual releases of the prequels or a box set of just the prequels in 3D and then The Force Awakens is separate, I think those would work fine. Uh, I don't think it would cause a lot of, of fan outrage, but I do agree that it's probably going to wind up frustrating people if they release this 
And then shortly after the fact, they announce, oh, hey, and here's the prequels packed in with that, too, because then it's essentially a third buying of the same thing um, to some extent. And people get, you know, they already are sort of bothered by the double dipping now. That'd be like a triple dipping thing. (laughs) Uh, But this is coming from the guy who has, at this point, um, I've got 12 different physical copies of The Force Awakens, and I have 50 of A New Hope, or I guess 51 now, and... The other films are kind of everywhere in between, so I'd be getting them anyway. Maybe right. I'm not the most objective voice when it comes to... <laughs> I think I'm well-versed in Star Wars home video, but I'm not sure I'm the most objective voice when it comes to it. Right, right. No, I get that. And, I mean, my thing is, like I said, I don't have a, a strong... You know, I, I'm not going to be the guy who's like, how dare you do this, or blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, I kind of hope you don't. If you do, you do, but what I think is if they throw, you know, you were talking about the one, two, three, seven, I think that if they do those in a box set, they probably won't number them. They'll probably only list them by their, their title names. Um, that's just my, my theory on it. Very possible. Very possible. Yeah. The, but I, 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 the, the immediate argument to that is, well, they don't package outside of trilogies unless, or unless it's a whole saga. That just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they've done partial trilogies before. Like right. there was the saga pack on DVD back in, gosh, what was it? 2002, I guess, where it was just the full screen DVDs of Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace thrown together in a box. Right. Right. Um, so it's happened before that they've made some weird decisions. It's just, no, we don't know what the decision is this time yet. But I would say, I mean, with this being November 15th, I could see them announcing it later since it's still, you know, three months away, announcing prequels later um, or even announcing them later for a release later, perhaps mm. a little bit closer to Christmas. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, either way, I'm in for trying to, you know, get get all of the the content um, so if it comes down to them basically saying, oh, here's, here's the, um, Force Awakens on Blu-ray, I'll go, okay, well, I'll, I'll get that and then turn around and then like months later, they're like, well, uh, here's the Force Awakens with the prequels on Blu-ray, the 3D versions, of course. And then I'll be like, well, I do need those as well. <laughs> you know, I yep. mean, if, if there's a way to keep from double dipping, then I, I won't. I just don't have, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not that kind of collector. There, there's definitely, especially with the uh, mm-hmm. the Force Awakens packs, there was definitely some cool ones. Um, the one that I actually got wasn't one of them, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I knew what I was getting into when I got into it. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's still a wait and see. I think it's cool that Digital Bit's still saying, um, you know, hey, guys, don't worry, this is still a thing. Uh, granted, they may just be like, crap, that came really, really close to after we just announced it and made us look stupid. So we're just going to stick with it. And then later, once, you know, that's months from now, people won't be going, hey, you said this and you were wrong. Because uh, I feel like, you know, people are kind of, uh, you know, they sort of forget things very easily. Um, yeah, how many times have we heard the rumor that the original versions of the original trilogy are coming out and it has yet to happen and people don't tend to get called on right. being the source of those rumors at all right. anymore. Exactly. So, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, it, it, it could go either way until it actually 
we get to that point. So I, I'm choosing to be optimistic and, and hope that that's coming because, like I said, ever, ever since uh, the last uh, you know Celebration Anaheim, I've, I've really, really wanted those uh, 3D versions of the prequels. So we'll, and, you, uh, and have, I, I know we talked about this last time. You do or don't have a 3D TV set up yet? I don't have one. So you're still, you're still kind of in the shopping around mode right now? Um, you know, I haven't even started actually doing the shopping around because, of course, the way technology moves, there's, you know, I may go, this is the best one, you know, this is the best bang for buck in my, uh, in the size that I want. But, and then within the next three months. Right. Then it's like, yeah. nope, that's no longer the case. So I, I figure I'll just wait until um, we get closer to that period. But I certainly need to be looking because I'm, I'm the kind of person, I, I remember when I bought this this last TV, uh, my wife and I were actually dating at the time. We weren't married. But I'm like, yeah, I'm going TV show. She's like, oh, okay, that'll be fun. And what she didn't <clears throat> realize was that, hey, I'm spending a few hundred dollars. Therefore, I'm going to be here for hours like pouring over everything and Mm -hmm. making sure you know she didn't realize how you know there's a certain dollar limit um you could probably there's probably a formula for for about how much time i spend researching and and uh looking into something based on how much i i spend on it you know if if it's like five bucks probably not going to spend that much time if it's like couple hundred dollars and and keeps going up then you know that time is going to get exponentially longer so uh she she was not very happy when i spent probably about four hours uh at the um what was the name of that place that i got it the the place that looks like you're you're in a flea market um you know which one i'm talking about jacku um like like a Sam's kind of thing, a brand smart. Brand smart, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I spent like. Where they keep their overhead low by having a very simplistic show floor. Well, yeah, but also their their actual um, style or whatever. Like they purposely try to make it look like yeah. um, this old place where it's like you know, like this looks kind of cheap and janky, and I don't know if if this person's going to actually sell me a real TV or a box of screws in a another box or something i don't know you know um, i found this advertisement on craigslist why are you holding a gun (laughs) right right it just they they that's their look that they want to go with for whatever reason but yeah like i said spent like four hours in there and then went home without a tv and she's like seriously like this is (laughs) not even leaving the tv our thing was uh, the last time we went to look it was a combination of what's going to work what's going to work with our current equipment and then for us, for my wife and I, I don't know if you run into the same thing, and I guess we're kind of belaboring the point. So my last point would be, um, if you're doing car shopping, do or car shopping. If you're doing a <laughs> TV shopping, do it in the biggest car you have. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we went TV shopping, and then it was, okay, let's measure the boxes and see what will actually fit in the back of my car to mm-hmm. get it home. So, ah, sigh. I don't even want, speaking of shopping, uh I need to find a place to order a uh, PlayStation VR now. I'm probably going to have to use GameStop, even though I don't want to, because I can't get them through Amazon pre-order anymore. I, I'm kicking myself for not pre-ordering way in advance. But Ouch. that's a whole other thing. But speaking of video games, mm-hmm. back to our main topics, and speaking of looking janky, <laughs> <laughs> we have a new LEGO Star Wars DLC release. Uh, if you play on... PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4, it'll be released later for other platforms. It is a, a 
Sony timed exclusive and does appear to be console only, so no PlayStation Vita. And that is the long-awaited, because it was listed on the package at launch, uh, The Phantom Limb, the story of C-3PO getting his red arm, which is basically a Lego retelling of the C-3PO The Phantom Limb comic mm-hmm. by uh, Robinson and Harris that was released earlier this year after many, 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 many delays. You may recall that as the one that I said had some interesting philosophy in it, um, but... Ugh. God, I hate that art style. But I know, <laughs> I know, we've we've gone around in circles on this. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Michael apparently loves the art style. I just don't like the noir style. So since this right. is kind of that style, it just it it grates on me. But um, the Lego version was was surprisingly faithful to the comic, which makes me wonder if that's actually part of why the comic was delayed. That they were working on the game simultaneously or something. See, and I didn't care for the Lego style. I just found it a little too blocky. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, I had to do that. Yeah, I, I did a uh, I did a live stream of it today because I wanted to make sure. I always promised on the live stream that I would play the levels for the very first time on the stream so that I'd be able to give my first impressions doing it. So when we realized we were about to record about it, I was like, oh, crap, I need to go play this thing. And uh, I it, it plays much better and is much more serious if you don't accidentally have the uh, squeaky voices option turned on. Okay. Because um, we just we discovered that earlier. Uh, it's like, it's desolate. Wait, what? Desolate. It's like the chipmunks <laughs> were playing the game or something. <laughs> squeak, um, squeak, squeaking. I, it's it's an interesting way they set it up, though, because, of course, the, the premise of it is that um, C-3PO and these other droids have been on this Resistance ship, and they've just finished a mission to capture this droid from the First Order that they think has the location of Admiral Akbar being held prisoner, which is act- and the rescue of Akbar is actually the premise of the Poe to the Rescue mission in the game, um, which is also kind of quasi-canon-ish. You know, it's supposed to be based on events that are canonical, but it's a Lego take on it. Um, and they wind up being attacked. This actually gives a reason for why they were attacked. Phasma wants something off the ship and orders the attack. They crash, so you start with like this group of eight droids, and they get whittled away throughout the story until you finally get down to just the two. Um, that gives us the the rationale behind the red arm and whatnot by the time it's over. And I think as a game, it sort of worked, sort of didn't. Like when you start having eight different characters that you can swap between makes the hot swapping between characters in a Lego game kind of annoying. Oh, really? There's just way too many times where you're facing kind of in the direction of the droid you want. You press the button to switch, doesn't matter if it's triangle or the shoulder buttons, and you're not going to get to the droid you want. I had to switch characters like five or six times most of the time to get to the droid I wanted if I wasn't going to go to the selection wheel. Um... And they, but they used do a good job of using the cutscenes to whittle things, whittle the numbers down, just like the comic does. Use dialogue from the comic, um, and eventually give us an ending that still is true to what the comic did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I as much as I'm not a fan really of that comic, I gotta right. say this is probably one of the most faithful comic to game adaptations I've seen for Star Wars and possibly in general. Um, in a video game. Yeah, that's really cool. Especially considering that it's Lego and it really doesn't have to, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Lego sort of has its own uh, canon timeline type thing. So, uh, you know, uh, for instance, with the, the Force Awakens game, 
uh, it starts off on Endor, and I'm pretty sure that in the actual Return of the Jedi movie, uh, Luke and Vader didn't team up to take down Palpatine. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that part. Uh, I'll say that, and this is something that impressed me about the base game, and it's impressing me here. It, except for that prologue on Endor, it was pretty faithful to the movie in terms mm-hmm. of the dialogue and in terms of the main events that are happening. Right. What tended to happen to make it Lego-ish was it was more like sight gags. Right. Like even here, Poe shows up to rescue C-3PO by the end of it to kind of head them off to the next mission, which is that Poe to the rescue mission. And the dialogue just plays it completely straight. But you see him like, like pull off his hat and take a comb through his hair and he's eating something and that kind of thing. Um, but of course, if you were just listening to it or just checking out the dialogue, not seeing those little sight gags, it would feel like a relatively serious story, which is a departure from all the previous Lego Star Wars games where the gags were sort of built in. Uh, it was like the whole experience included the humor. It wasn't like one aspect had the humor and the other side played it straight, which right. I, mean, I like this way mm-hmm. because it, especially when they're telling us new stories that are supposedly supposed to reflect something from canon because we can kind of get a sense of you know, what is supposed to have happened, quote-unquote, for real. Right. Uh, but it's certainly different. It, wor- it worked well in this case. It, did you notice something weird about the droids, though? They could do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're playing the regular game, a protocol droid, unless there's a protocol droid terminal around, is right. pretty much useless. They can't do squat. And yet right. here, they can do basically everything other characters can do except for jump. And I, it kind of that felt kind of out of place to me because after playing all the way through all 18 of the missions built into the game and having to deal with protocol droids that can't do a freaking thing, now all of a sudden they're doing all kinds of stuff. I'm just kind of like, where were you guys two <laughs> levels ago when I needed you when I needed C3PO to be able to deliver a beatdown? Right, right. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Uh, like I said, I I've been really. Um, really happy with what they've been doing uh, for uh, this Force Awakens Lego game because beforehand, now granted, I haven't played the the Clone Wars one, but I played the first two. I think that they were decent, but they just weren't, um, they just weren't to this caliber. So I've been very happy with what they've done for this one. Now all we need is like a virtual reality Lego game. Although that would (laughs) probably be freaking terrifying. (laughs) Because you know, as you know, as soon as you take something that's a kid's toy and you make it a little more realistic, there's like that point where the realism crosses from, oh, how nice and stylish to, holy crap, that's scary as hell. Chucky, anyone? Oh, well, I mean, even um, I- I've been a bit on a, a, a Pokemon kick lately with this Pokemon Go game, but I've seen them before and they've, they've brought a few of them back uh, or and possibly some even new, but they've been basically showing like live... Um, more realistic adaptions of certain Pokemon, mm-hmm. and uh, th- some of them are just downright horrifying. Uh, there, there's, there's a, a few different ones I would suggest people to. I, I would just, you know, uh, tell people just to sort of Google those and find what you can find. But you know, there's one that's supposed to be like this gas bag monster that has like two heads or whatever, and it just looks like this mutated. Uh, like a couple of mutated human heads or something. It just, it looks, yeah, it is so disgusting looking. (laughs) And here I thought you were going to tell me you had nightmares about Toy Story or something. Oh, no, no, not that at all. Uh, Besides that, you've uh, been playing that new, you you got in the Force Awakens beginner game 
for uh, yes, the did. RPG. So tell me a little how that's went. Uh, well, I just posted a review of it on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio, or just search by my name, I guess. It's supposed to be able to search like that. Uh, but basically, it's the package itself is very much like the, the other beginner games for Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, Force and Destiny. You've got basically uh, your sort of, here's a quick read this first type of thing to give you a sense of what's going on. Here's an adventure book, and as you do the adventure, it tells the game master what to read out loud, what to explain to the players about the game mechanics, interesting sidebars. I love the way they set up their guidance in that. And then there's a rule book that's much smaller than, say, a core rule book would be, but it gives you a chance to sort of get more information if you want to continue doing new adventures with these characters. Uh, it's got four character folios with it with pre-generated characters that also sort of show you the process of spending your XP and whatnot to be able to upgrade them. Uh, they got a map uh, with some tokens to help you visualize things, and the back of the map is the first really solid, essential atlas-looking map that we've ever gotten that has the canonical planets on it now, like Jakku and such on it. But it does include a lot of legend stuff, too, so it's kind of a weird mixture. <laughs> right. um, uh, you got your dice, of course, that come with it, and it's got a free downloadable, exp uh, not expansion, but another mission you can do that carries on after this one. But I think some of the fears and concerns that we had when we discussed it last time have come to pass. Because we talked about how this is there's no core rulebook coming. This is not the beginning of a new product line. It's designed so that basically you play this beginner game just like you would play any of the other three beginner games, and it's supposed to get you interested in playing and a feel for the mechanics so you can jump into any of the three that are their main product lines. But the end result is that it's – I have a feeling that would be kind of jarring to someone because the story of the opening adventure in the beginner game, uh, Discovery on Jakku – is set up as leading into The Force Awakens. So it's like immediately before, and assuming your characters decide to go and join the Resistance, the, the prompts that it gives you is to basically have them arriving right after Starkiller Base is destroyed. So it's sort of leading into it, and then you have that downloadable one that's free. You can go on Fantasy Flight Games' website right now and download it, even if you don't have the beginner game. Uh, and that sends you on a few missions for Major Emmett, or Emat, whatever his name is, um, uh, crazy hippie dude. <laughs> right. And essentially that is, you know, Hey, we found information based on what you brought us in the first mission. Now go do the second mission that assists, but it's shortly after the film. So you're in that era and the backgrounds of the characters revolve around Jakku, revolve around the resistance, revolve around the first order, all this stuff that solidly grounds it in that era, three decades after Jedi. And then if you play any of the games it's trying to convince you to play, you're jumping back to the era shortly after A New Hope, and you're back to source books and games that are all based on that era's technology, that era's characters, that era's factions and situations. Um, and there's not enough here in this box to really expand out and continue playing in that era unless you do a lot of adapting of stuff from the other games and basically just either making up your own backstory for it, updating stats. Like, for instance, I mean, if you want to play with an X-Wing, okay, um, you can grab one of the old X-Wings, or if you want to play with, um, you know, a particular nemesis maybe that's among, I don't know, the Huts or something, you know, grab one from Edge of the Empire. But because of the time period being different, it doesn't feel as seamlessly tacked with the other ones. Right. And I got a feeling it's going to, 
it's it's going to cause some issues for some people who are going to want more of this and not have it. And whereas that's supposed to drive them into those other games, it may cause them to be like, well, screw it. I don't want to play those other games. It'll be a disappointment because I can't mm-hmm. imagine somebody playing this and not wanting to play the regular RPG. Right. But I can see them wanting to play that in this era and not being able to. I also found it odd that just like the other ones, you have that online support where, hey, here is your extra free adventure. Right. But unlike all the other ones, there weren't any extra character folios released with it. Usually there's at least two extra characters released just online. So your group goes from being a possible four to a possible six. And they didn't do it this time, at least not yet. So it's. I mean, it's a very solid product for what it is, but in its purpose in the grander scheme of the other RPG lines and what they kind of want it to do for them as a business, I don't think it's hitting that target right yeah. on. Yeah, it's. I, I think it basically falls um, into two, or there's you know there's two issues with it. One being that it really seems to there. There's almost uh, m- most of them are, I guess, a lot easier in that you can you can basically go from uh, the starter and then just continue to build. Where exactly. this one, you you sort of have to have experience and, and be knowledgeable enough with at least some role-playing games in order to do that. I, I feel like there's basically a, a really steep learning curve as soon as you do all you can do with the starter box. So um, I, I don't know if... I really don't know if they're going to to do that. But I'm wondering if, with uh, as we get closer to say uh, episode eight, maybe we we may see some more stuff come out that way. I, I think it's doable um, to to work in some of the old stuff, um, like like for myself. Uh, I, I think I could I could make it work and 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 definitely have some fun and, and use all the resources that we have. But obviously, you're going to have to you're going to have to. Um, looking you know what i mean like you're gonna have to kind of know what you're doing mm-hmm. you can't just uh say oh i've never done this before you know i, I think if you're wanting to get into the role playing uh then you know the whole starter element is is almost a a bit of a, a misnomer because it's mm-hmm. not you know it's it, it may be started for a very short time but where do you go from there so and uh, i've been impressed with the way they dealt with the other ones i've always mm-hmm. liked their beginner game products but they i want to say it was I think it was Age of Rebellion. One of them had it so that it even gave you suggestions of, okay, if you want to run a bigger campaign, here's the beginner game stories. Here's the ones from like the beta rule book and the core rule book and that sort of thing. And let us suggest to you an order in which to play them and ways you could seamlessly transition from one to the other. They've been really good at using them as gateways. Mm-hmm. This one, I don't want to say it feels like a cheap cash-in because it is a solid product, but right. it is definitely giving me the feeling that this was a cash-in on the popularity of the film to try to promote the RPG line rather than feeling like something where they planned this as, well, we just want to do it because we think it would be a solid game. Right. It was definitely the gateway and promotion thing tied into it, which I guess is the definition of a cash-in, but that implies cheap most of the time, and cheap right. is not right. – I mean, this is a good product. It's just – yeah, I will they do one for Rogue One? I doubt it. Do one for Episode Eight? Who knows? I didn't expect them to do this one. Yeah, yeah. This one, I guess. I guess what it comes down to, this one is they took the mechanics and and created uh, an offshoot uh, as opposed to creating a, a module like the others. Right, right. And and let's 
let's clarify here also for those who are wanting to play it like dude it's the force awakens awesome i'm gonna get to fight alongside ray or finn or something no no you are not if you play the beginner game it's set in that era there is a brief run in with phasma possibly depending on some of the choices that you make and you get to meet major emmett but that's pretty much it from a character standpoint. You don't see Rey, you don't see Finn, you don't see Kylo Ren, you don't see uh, uh, Hux. Uh, you're, there's a Star Destroyer involved, but it's not the finalizer. So don't expect to be interacting with the film characters if you're playing this. It is all original characters um, for the vast majority, both player and NPC. Right, right. So um, unless you've got any more on that... Uh, I was going to nope. jump to the next thing. So uh, one thing, because this is just more of a, a mention, we don't normally talk about the LCG on here, and it's just I think it's because uh, I just don't play it. Um, I, I haven't quite had the time, uh, or, or many people. It's, it's hard for me to get with people that that do play the game. There, there's people out there who do, but um, I've just had an issue trying to get on the same schedule as them to play. Um, but however, they've actually just announced the fourth, um, uh, they call them, uh, force packs. Uh, so it's, it's the, uh, LCG. So it's a living card game rather than getting the whole, uh, uh, booster packs coming out. What they do is they just release one, um, force pack is what they call it every month or about every two months. It's, you know, at this point, it's really just when they come out. <laughs> Uh, but they usually retail for about $15 and you get everything that's in that pack is, is what's in that pack. Uh, and so they've, they've announced four of them now, right? That this is the fourth, uh, the fourth, yep. fourth pack, bleh, the fourth force pack, um, that, that they're saying is out and, uh, well, that they've, that they've announced coming. Like pre-orders. And right, such. They're right, not sorry. out yet. They just finished the indoor cycle. This is the opposition cycle that's supposed to kick off this month. Right. And, um, now I, of course I, uh, I, I clicked on, or I had my, uh, um, my pages up and then I turned losing around. the names. Is that what you're doing? Um, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to list the names. I got you. Uh, I got you. Um, this is, it starts with Ancient Rivals, which Ancient is the one that's got Ahsoka okay. on it. Uh, then you have A Wretched Hive, then Meditation and Mastery, and the newest one announced is Scrap Metal. And it seems like the only major new mechanic so far that will wind up um, playing a role in this, because each Force Pack cycle tends to introduce a new mechanic. Um, like, for instance... Uh, the the indoor cycle had missions in it, right? Where aside from just objectives, there are missions you can play, and those cards are part of your objective sets, um, replacing another card in there. In this case, the only major thing that I'm seeing so far is that they are going to have fate cards, which are normal for the game, except these fate cards will be affiliated to a particular faction, like Rebel Alliance, Imperial Navy, Jedi Order, Sith, whatever, um, which is going to theoretically give different sides a little bit of different ways to use the Force cards as they arrive. Okay. Um, but it's four out of six that are announced, and the most recent one, Scrap Metal, is announced for fourth quarter 2016, so I'm guessing we won't see the end of this f cycle until probably getting close to the anniversary of A New Hope in May. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that sounds about right. But then again, uh, a lot of times this stuff can they they can hold them off a bit, so it, it may be even later than that. <laughs> um, this is right. They'll be on the boat for a while. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, that's that's really all that uh, I have to kind of mention on that. Uh, but past that, like we'd said earlier, they announced some stuff for X-wing, Imperial assault, and Armada. And, Lots of uh, miniatures. Yes. So actually, I, I know I'm jumping around a lot compared to what I, what I have on our show notes, um, but I figure it probably makes more sense to, to do it this way as opposed to me listing things in the order of my excitement. Um, so the uh, Armada, there are two waves that are on the boat or shipping at the moment, I suppose. Ship, shipping because they're in the mail to me from miniature market right now. Excellent. Uh, and that was the one with the whole... Um, Oh, I can't even remember the 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 other pizza shaped ship. Uh-huh. <laughs> the pizzas, the, the interdictor. Right. Uh, yeah, it's they called it waves three and four, but they each had only one ship or two ships in it, and we had mm-hmm. talked about how that's kind of weird. Right. Uh, turns out they're releasing it as if it was one wave instead of two, but it's the Imperial assault carriers, the Rebel transports, the interdictor, and the Liberty, which is yet another Mon Cal ship. Right. Right. It looks just like all the other Mon Cal ships. <laughs> Look a little bubbly. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the frigate or the was it the Mark II or whatever? It's about the only one that looks. You're like, yes, okay, that I know for sure. And the rest, you're like, is that home one? I I don't know. Um, but uh, anyhow, I mean, like I said, can't can't say too much because all the Imperial ships also look like pizzas. So, um. Pizza power. <laughs> you said that, and immediately in my mind, it's the old uh, Ninja Turtles stage show. You know, my first con- uh, concert that I ever went to, uh-huh. Ninja Turtles in concert, because I had got the tape from Pizza Hut, and I was so yeah. stoked by the music. I'm not sure that that's something I should actually reveal publicly. But um, you know, you know what? I, I don't know um, anyone else who that, but it's you know how you'll have this, you'll remember something from your childhood, and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that that has been stored away for so long mm-hmm. in my brain somewhere, and and you're like, that's right, I remember these things. Uh, yeah, I, my brother and I, I remember we watched. We watched that over and over and over. We loved that tape. Now, I didn't actually get to go to the concert, but uh, I remember watching that tape and thinking it was just awesome. See? See? There you go. There were other people that liked it. But uh, they did announce for Armada Wave 5, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and this one feels like more of a wave. It's got four things in it, (laughs) which is a little more in keeping with what we saw from X-Wing and what we saw with some of the earlier stuff from Armada. So, what do we have for wave uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Uh, cinco. Okay, so we have the Phoenix Home expansion pack, which is from Rebels. Uh, it. I don't even know how to really describe it. It, it basically looks like they took the um, the blockade runner and just started stacking plates on it. Yeah, uh, it's like a flare-butted blockade runner because it flares out at the back and it's uh-huh. just a little bit thicker along the uh uh this it's like uh, you know the regular blockade runner kind of starts with that hammerhead looking head and then there's a thinner section and then it gets blockier this one just has sort of some flare mm-hmm. um, almost like a cobra kind of thing right um that actually connects that thicker part to the hammerhead part so it looks a little bit more um uh 
the word I'm looking for? Um, consistent in its uh, in <laughs> yeah. the width until you get to the flare back. Right, right. But Phoenix Home, very cool. Yeah, so I actually do like I, the look. I'm going to love okay. to play with Starfighters with that. Just yeah. because I'm thinking Rebels the entire time. Right, right. A I don't care of... if the pilot's name on the card is is Hera, damn it. That's Hera. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to come with a whole bunch of uh, A-wings that are terrible. <laughs> so, It'll be like the cannon fodder A-wings. Right, oh, we need to right. create some dramatic tension for our heroes. Kill some cannon fodder. <laughs> Right. That, that's what it should be. They should put these new um, starfighters out, and you know how like they have the three little starfighters on the prongs mm-hmm. to represent the fighters. They need to have one that's slightly uh, different color, so it's the one you actually care about, and the other ones are designated cannon fodder. Yeah, like either <laughs> color scheme. Have it, have it, just have it in the rule book. These are the cannon fodder because if you really want mechanics that fit with the universe, that's all they are. Right. So what's the other big one that we're getting? Uh, so we well, also, not big, but you know the, the sort of medium size in relation to the game. Right. So we also have the Imperial Light Cruiser expansion pack, which this is one, it's familiar to me, but then again, I can't quite place where this came from. Uh, the ship? They use it in Rebels, okay. and I believe that a variant of something looking very much like this was in Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah, that, the, uh, that, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's that weird one. It almost looks kind of like an elongated diamond, uh, where one end is elongated, the other one's not, with engines stuck on the back. Yeah, it's, well, to me, it kind of looks like um, it it kind of looks like a, a a miniature star destroyer that they you basically at the at the wedge in the back they just kind of threw some uh some sort of blockade style. Uh, boosters just sort of yes, rammed they, they into it. legitimate child of a star destroyer in a Corvette. <laughs> they had a baby. Um, yeah, so uh, it's cool. You know, we've got looks like a Moff Gerard is the uh, the main sort of character in that one. So um, definitely, it's the Arquitans light attack cruiser, and the uh, uh, the Phoenix Home is a Pelta class for those who are really specific about their ship types it's and that's one of the things i always get into uh, not arguments but heated discussions with uh x-wing and armada players about whether or not they should be calling these by the names that consumers will recognize or the super geeky like this is the name like the like the was it cr90 corvettes which were touted on the packaging as tantive four you, know, right. you call it tantive four people know what they're gonna get you call it cr90 corvette people are gonna have to look online to know what what you're announcing right right um, and then of course we've got the second, uh, fighter squadron packs. So we have the rebel fighter fighter squadron two expansion pack, which is really neat. Um, what, what they've done is they came out with the, the rebels pack, which was just X wings and a wings. Uh, I don't remember if there were B wings or Y wings in that. I, I think it was just X wings and a wings. It was, uh, no, it was more than that because you also had some of those, um, Oh, yeah, I, I need to go back and look at it. Hang yeah. on. <laughs> we want to be accurate about this, but I, I would swear that it's more than just A-Wings and X-Wings. I think they had some of those irregulars, like this one's got Shadowcaster and Ghost. I'm almost positive that this had some other ones. Let me... Nope, the original had a ton. The original had uh, A-Wings, B-Wings, X-Wings, and Y-Wings. The original Imperial one had TIE Advanced, TIE Bomber, TIE Fighter, TIE Interceptor, so they each had four different types of ships, and then there was the uh, Rogues and Villains. That's the ones that had the so-called Irregulars. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. so if, you want, if you want to... I can read those off the list again if you want to, like, toss no, it fine. as a thing. No, because no, I'll, I'll just c- 
cut that in. So yeah, so th- that's that's what they initially had. I remember that the Imperial set had had more than that, but I was for some reason I only remember the A wings and the uh, X wings, and it may be just because, to my knowledge, that's pretty much what all, the only thing that people actually play. Uh, but yeah, then they came out with the um, was it the the Rogues and Villains pack? Uh, yeah, and that one's the one that's got. They're calling them irregular squadrons. Mm-hmm. That stuff like the Outrider, the Havoc, the Slave One, Millennium right. Falcon, that type of stuff, where it was like one teeny tiny ship on a peg instead of multiple teeny tiny ships on like a branching peg. And now with these uh, these squadron packs, it's sort of a mix between them. So, for instance, you'll get um, Z ninety five Headhunters as well as like the ghost um and then there's also uh e-wings and then of course there is the uh is it the protector protectorate no that's the other thing what yeah the shadow shadow caster there we go that's the one which is funny because remember the shadow caster was based on the havoc from the starfighter games right and Mm -hmm. the havoc actually appeared in a previous set of these the the rogues one the rogues and whatever no, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's you know I don't remember because like I said I, I don't know many people who who play that one. Usually they just play the uh, the other ships, but that yeah that is kind of funny. Um, now with the Imperial, you actually get the uh, the Tie Phantom and the Tie Defender, and then you get Lambda shuttles, which I think that's that's pretty interesting. I, I want to look at those a little further, uh, as well as the um, the VT forty nine Decimator, which is a, a neat little ship as mm-hmm. well. It's it's sort of a we're at Fantasy Flight and we want to reuse much of our artwork. How can we bring these ships from <laughs> one game into the other so we don't have to commission new artwork? Um, but they tailor them well enough to the different games that it feels like it was that it was created for that game. You know, right, I, right. I'm I've been impressed at the way they're able to scale these and still have game mechanics that make sense. The the Devastator is the one, just like with you, I think the Devastator is the one that kind of had me going, huh, because that's a that's a larger ship. It's a medium size, I guess you'd call it. They, they call them large in X-Wing, and then they call what's bigger than large epic. I just, you know, small, medium, large. It's like French fries, right? <laughs> um, but I found it interesting that they would include that one um, as one of the ones in here because that one always seemed like an odd choice to include in X-Wing anyway, almost like they were looking for a ship and couldn't quite figure out what else fit in that wave. So, hey, let's toss in this decimator thing that most people haven't heard of. And yet it's become sort of a staple of visually what these games look like is that you see that ship and you go, oh, I know that one. It's from X-Wing. Right, right. I I think it's just because I don't know a whole lot uh, that sort of fits in that size class, you know, um, the Empire pretty much seems to be either really big or TIE Fighters. <laughs> you know, there's, there's not a whole yeah. lot of... <laughs> um, you know, whereas the Rebels are just kind of like, hey, whatever we can get our hands on, we'll, we'll go with. So I mean, that's why they that's why they invented that Imperial Raider, right? I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's a... that's As far as I know, that's the only one that they've invented. But you have Fantasy Flight Games making a ship to sort of be the Imperial version of a Tantive IV, a Corellian Corvette that then made its way just like the Corvette into Armada also. So, right. uh, again, dear Fantasy Flight, please give us an official campaign that allows us to move from Imperial Assault <laughs> to X-Wing to Armada or some mixture thereof as an official game campaign. Yours right. truly, me. <laughs> 
So, you know, and the thing is, just, just bringing that up real quick before we move on to, uh, to X-Wing. I, I really, well, actually, I guess we kind of are in X-Wing. That, that, uh, that Imperial Raider that they created, whoever was the one who actually did the, the work on that, I think needs to be allowed to come up with some more stuff. You know, to me, that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is it's so often that we'll get something in Star Wars and I'll be like, that's not Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll, uh, create something and I'm like, dude, that does not go with the look aesthetic of Star Wars. You know, Star Wars has a very, um, a very unique and, and stylized, look to it you know what i mean that you can look at something and go that's star wars that's not star wars you know like like that assault frigate mark ii in the first armada wave that everybody was like the heck is this um How, this doesn't even this looks battlestar galactica or something that's that's the one that uh everybody calls the space whale mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that that one I, I agree and in fact that was a big part of why i chose to play uh even though i've now gotten several of the the rebel ships that i could either almost or could definitely field uh, a rebels uh, list of on Armada. I was like, no, I'm going, I'm going empire. And that was one of the biggest reasons I'm like, because almost every single list required you to play that ship. And I'm like, this isn't a star Wars ship, so I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and, and that's the thing is I, I don't care for that. Uh, I mean, even going back to, in my opinion, the, the star vipers, that does not mm-hmm. look like a Star Wars ship to me. It just doesn't. There's so much about it that doesn't look Star Wars. I think they look cool. Um, I loved the uh, the Shadows of the Empire, um, you know, the, the that whole media project, but that specific ship just does not... It doesn't have the greeblies to it, you know? It, it just it looks like something else. So... The, it, it, it doesn't have the... What? Greeblies? Are you not familiar with that term? No, not unless you're saying that it got neutered. No, uh, so uh, agreeably, that term was actually invented by George Lucas, and basically what it um, what it implies is just like little added extra crap slapped on. So when they would make props, <laughs> yeah. So when they make props and stuff, it's like the avocados on everything at Chili's. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, so when when they would like make props and stuff, he would be like, oh, he's like, put some more greeblies on that. And what he meant was just like find some other like unique shape type things and kind of slap on there. Um, Dude, I, may I say, mm -hmm. I consider myself a fairly verbose guy, a fairly well-educated guy. It's not every day I get to learn a new word. Right. And now with ping as in, dang, that's going to be ping, which apparently means like sexy. Um, (laughs) I have now learned two new words in the span of a week. So thank you Thank you for expanding my vocabulary. <laughs> hey, a greebly. Yeah, whatever I can do for you. If you had said you needed a greebly at some point previously, I I don't know what response you would have gotten, but it <laughs> probably would have been a dirty joke. I'd have been like, no, no, not that one. The one I'm pointing to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, you say about the idea that they should have this person, whoever or whatever team designed it, design some more, and I agree mm-hmm. with you on that, but I'd like to think, I'm kind of hoping... That unlike The Force Awakens, Rogue One being set in the original trilogy era will be a fertile ground for new ships that they could use for Armada, for X-Wing. Oh, yeah. It seems like with Armada, they're not really wanting to dip towards the sequel trilogy era yet. They're still sticking around that original trilogy era, but Rogue One should give us 
things that are a little more easily inserted into Armada um, than maybe tailoring something from The Force Awakens. I don't know why they haven't tried to tailor something from The Force Awakens. You'd think they'd get a big old finalizer, Star Destroyer, just scare the out of anybody playing as a rebel. Um, <laughs> But they haven't. Rogue One is sort of the great hope. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic film. It looks awesome. Um, but with all these product lines, whether it's the comics, many of the novels, um, X-Wing, Armada, Imperial Assault, with so much focusing around the original trilogy era right now, I kind of feel like it is the great hope for new infusion of ideas into that era for so many different product lines. Uh, I'm going to be disappointed if we don't very soon have a U-Wing announced, for instance, uh, or some type of new capital ship or something for Armada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I I, I agree. I, th I think that um, some of that stuff. Now, as far as like a capital ship for Armada, I think that may be a little harder to, to find with, with mm -hmm. Rogue One, because I think that you're going to see more pizza-shaped ships, but, uh, you know, yeah, th that U-Wing, I think, is definitely a, a good uh, model to go with, but I, I do hope that we do get to see one or two other ships, you know, that this is different, um, preferably larger, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes as, as we get more uh, trailers and, and TV commercials and then actually get to see the movie itself. But yeah, I mean, I hope that we get to start seeing these things. But like I said, as far as seeing stuff, you know, Dave Filoni likes to tap into a lot of um, some of the, the Legends material mm -hmm. and things like that. I would like to see him, you know, I would like for him to be aware and say, oh, that Raider, you know, I could actually put that in Rebels. I, I, I have a place for this. Yeah. Um, That'd be cool. And and with that, you know, just keep on uh, having them crank, make up ships and crank out ships and then say, hey, Dave Filoni, have you seen this one? And he goes, oh, okay, let me put this here. Let me put that there. Um, I, I think that's a, you know, just do it. Just we yeah. we would buy that. We right. would spend money on that. Right. Unlike, moving us towards X-Wing, uh, unlike colored maneuver dial upgrades or colored bases and sticks uh i i don't know i've yet to i yet to find the uh the the gumption to pick those up i i've reviewed everything else. i even reviewed a bunch of the uh little adversary packs or whatever they're called for the rpg mm -hmm. buying them do buying them reviewing them and then selling them to a buddy and i just can't i can't even bring myself to do that for dial colors and so um the, the but x-wing doesn't have to rely on those because they have new ships coming <laughs> right well i mean the the reason i like those uh is because a lot of people fantasy flight has been really good about seeing that oh this is something that people obviously want because there have been several people who have actually been taking their um their bases and painting the the underside of them anyways now is that from a a clarity of gameplay standpoint, they want to, if they're playing, they want to be able to more easily pick out their vessels versus someone else's. Yeah. Or yeah. What? It's just, yeah. It's just a lot easier to say, um, Hey, that that's mine. You know, so it's the equivalent of basically having a different card sleeve than anybody. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can see that. Just, it seems they don't seem to be a lot per pack. Those, those maneuver dial upgrade kits. How many are in each of those? Cause it's 10 bucks. 
Yeah, there's just uh, the three, and and now well, those... there are three. Okay, well, see, mm-hmm. I, that's not bad. I was thinking it was a the, the way that it looks in the packaging. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked into it too much, but when I looked at the packaging, it looked like it was one, and I was like, ten bucks for one. If it's, I mean, if it's shoot three for ten, that's about three dollars and thirty three cents each. That's actually a pretty decent price. Yeah. I mean, because just from the plastic they have to use to make the thing, right? And and they're nice. I mean, they're they're very nice. Uh, it just comes down to if you if you go that route, then you probably only want to pick up for what your main list that you're mm-hmm. playing is going to be, because that can that can get up get very expensive. But there's there's benefits to it, you know. Um, for one, you can see your entire dial. So instead of going, okay, where was it? Let me, oops, I accidentally passed that three hard bank that I was wanting to do. This, you you see it right there and you can just adjust straight to it. Um, there's that benefit. Plus, uh, if you are using the same list over and over, those dials can start to kind of wear down since they're made of cardboard. So, right. you know, this is stuff that you don't have to have, but it definitely has, you know, it, it's, it's options for people who, would be interested in that interested in that type of thing. So I'm I'm all for that. Um, now speaking of X-wing, though, we do have the new uh, wave that they announced. Wave ten. Can you freaking believe we're already at wave ten for X-wing? Yes. It doesn't feel like the game's been around for that long, but wave ten, baby. That's been around almost what four years now. I guess it's. I mean, it's been. It's been long enough that now they have another starter set and they've and they've continued branching. I I don't know, I'm just I'm surprised. I'm also surprised this is a wave that seems to only have three items in it instead of the usual four. And you know what? I was super happy to see that too. Um Really? Just from a financial standpoint or what? Not even that, just from a a necessary standpoint. I feel like that what's been happening is that they've been trying to get four ships in every um, every expansion, and if you look at pretty much every expansion, that uh, fourth ship is a second uh, is a second scum and villainy ship. I've noticed that that it seemed mm-hmm. like, but that sort of made sense at right. least for a while because scum and villainy started so much later than the other factions that it was sort of giving them a chance to catch up. But yeah, it is starting to get to that point where. If each wave is slightly unbalanced from a numerical standpoint, you're going to wind up giving some group more options. Possibly, but here's what I would say. Um, Where that is the case, uh, the the scum ships are usually... You know, there seems to be like you know a trash ship every time. Uh, Uh, For for instance... Plays in trash from a gameplay perspective or trash in terms of just it's not a design someone would want. Um, well, I mean, I think the designs are fine, honestly. I, I, I don't okay. really have any issues with the design of the ship, but as far as, it seems like they're trying to make something work, and it just doesn't feel, you're like, eh, I don't care about this one as much. For instance, you right, know. So can, can I give you a question then as you give mm-hmm. me the for instance? Okay. Because I want to make sure I'm under, I'm following what you're saying. So you're, you would be fine with the trash ship if the game mechanics we're done better. It's not so much the ship per se as the usefulness of it and the right. game mechanics attached to it. Right. Right. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, in Star Wars, I think it should be a quote unquote trash ship. You right. Know? And so, so what was your example that you were? Um, so for, for instance, I mean, you look back to um, when the game first came out, we got the Star Vipers early on. 
right. and th- those aren't very good. Nobody plays the Star Vipers. A lot of people are saying, oh, I wish they would do a fix for the Star Vipers. Uh, the Star Viper is good. It's just it costs more than, you know, a lot of it is just about how much it costs in points versus um, what you're going to get for it. So so it's less that it's not good as much as it's just over-costed for what you get. Gotcha. Um, same thing with the the sick fighters um, or the the M three I can't remember what the, the little ships. Um, a lot of people thought that was going to be cool because they would be the swarm ship for um, for scum and villainy. The problem is that none of the, the 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 stuff that they tried to make work it ends up kind of being overcosted and and not really helpful because for instance. It's basically take a TIE fighter, you know, it's a very cheap ship, and then slap a um, slap a, a cannon on it, which is kind of a little more of, or is a more expensive, um, uh, more expensive upgrade. But it's still going to die like a TIE fighter, you right. know. So, so you're wasting the points. You're you're not really going to get the full benefit of that. So that that's just been my problem with it. It seems like every expansion you get, um, you get a few ships that just aren't being used. Just like the Kirax fighters, mm-hmm. um, they were sort of cheaper X wings. But the problem is, you don't get a lot of the benefits that you even get with the X wings. So nobody's using those either for the most part. Um, that's just been sort of the the thing with. Um, scum and villainy and, and and i've had friends who are wanting to get in and i'm like so what are you interested in They're like oh well you know i want to play some of the bounty hunter ships i'm like okay just know that you don't have a lot of options there right now um but anyhow so so jumping into this ship yeah so so what are the are three ships? speaking of uh-huh. you know just another tie fighter what are the three this time right so so this is actually interesting because there's been a lot of people who have been unhappy about this uh this this particular one and from the best i can tell though the people who are unhappy aren't necessarily x-wing players so i thought that was kind of funny what is it what is it it's, you said this one what is it i'm speaking as the audience what is it it's a regular tie fighter <laughs> but, no it's not it's Sabine's tie fighter right but it is for the rebels so for instance you've only ever been able to play uh, a tie fighter if you were the Imperial faction, now they have the uh, the Tie Fighter for the Rebels, and it's it's painted up like Sabine's. Now here's here's what I want to do. Um, I want to get a red. Uh, basically, I'll, I'll get like a template, and I'm going to start painting up a, a couple Tie Fighters with the uh, the red. One eighty first. No, not the one eighty first. The uh, oh, no. Um, no, well, because this for for Rebels. Uh, the the um, Firebird blood stripes. No, 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 no. The um, the the rebel symbol. Just the rebel symbol. Yeah. The flame bird. Yeah, on the wings. Okay. Okay. Um, I was thinking you were going something like because you're always talking about how you know you're so focused on the one eighty first. No, I, no, I, no. I liked it, and I and I have painted that on some of my interceptors before. But yeah, for this, I just meant um, just a rebel symbol. Right. That way, because so I can play. You can play a mini swarm. Every that's another thing that's kind of interesting about it is none of it is like you know rebel pilot or or you know uh rebel spy or something like that you've got zeb um captain rex ahsoka and then uh sabine those are your four pilots and they're the only four you could play if you're playing as the rebel because mm-hmm. those are the only rebel 
ship card. So even though it's a TIE fighter, and you might have TIE fighter-only upgrades that could work with them, the pilots are restricted by faction. Right, right. So, uh, you know, that that kind of does... I think that they did that for a very specific reason. I think they did that so that we don't see large swarms, which, you know, I, I think that that should be something that... Um, should be unique to uh, the the Imperial ships. But on top of that, you have uh, one card that I'm seeing here that says uh, Sabine's Masterpiece, and that's a, a title card. Um, and, it, and, of course, it has the unique symbol on it, so um, you can only put that on one of the ships if you're going to, like, say, do a little Rebel TIE Fighter Swarm. But it says... Um, it says your upgrade bar, and of course this is also Rebel only, it says your upgrade bar gets the uh, co-pilot and the illicit upgrade, and it only costs one point. Uh, so what's cool about that is you now can you now have whatever uh, Zeb cost, he will be the cheapest uh, shuttle in the game. And I, and, I, nice. and I imagine he's got to be really cheap because Sabine only costs 15 points. Um, I would think he costs 12 points. So then basically with this uh, Sabine's Masterpiece, you could have a 13-point uh, shuttle. So that could be, that could be interesting. Um, you know, for instance, if you wanted to throw like Tactician on and have, uh, have something just rolling around... Um, you know, basically trying to put stress on other ships, you could do that very cheaply. So, I I think it's cool. Um, you also, of course, you get a, a couple of um. You, you get your own illicit upgrade, and, and illicit has been specifically for scum and villainy. So that's cool that you're going to be able to start using those now with um with a rebel ship. Uh, but also looks like Captain Rex. Uh, they have a crew card for him as well as uh, looks like it says capture something. So in fact, actually, no, that's something else. You know what? Looking at it, that looks like that may be another tie um, title. So that could be cool too. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. I'm excited about it. I, I, I can't wait to see what's going on. I mean, I'm even seeing another um, card here down at the bottom. I can't make it out because it's like half of it is, is cut off from the other cards. Uh, but it doesn't look anything like your standard X-Wing card. So I don't know what that's about, but I'm I'm excited about this. What about I, the one that looks like it's from Imperial Assault instead? Right, right. Um, Weird. So... I don't know, man. I, I'm excited. I want to see it. I know that there's some people going, oh my God, they just reused uh, the same model. Yeah, so what? I don't care. You know, like it, mm -hmm. it, it, it's Star Wars. Like I'm totally fine with getting um, some of this stuff. It's, it's about the mechanics of the game that I'm interested in. And it's a, it's a new paint job that's really cool. Maybe you, you know, maybe some other people don't think so. Um, and, you know, sorry for that, but... Eh, you know what? Now, I think it's awesome. <laughs> now, before we move to the second ship, let me ask you, from a tournament standpoint, uh -huh. um, if somebody were to play with that and field that for the Rebels, right. could they replace her tie with a standard-looking TIE fighter on the peg, and as long as they're using all the Rebel-allowed cards, is that considered legal, or does it have to be... Like, for instance, with Scum and Villainy, you know, you got a Scum and Villainy Y-Wing. Mm -hmm. Well... 
okay, could they just take that off the peg and stick on another Y-Wing? Because if you can custom paint stuff, I wouldn't right. think that'd be an issue, but I don't know that I've ever seen a ruling on it. Um, they are totally okay with that. The only thing that really has to be done, of course, is you have to play with a Rebel card mm-hmm. as well as your actual base. Um, the little base template has to also be Rebel. Right. Um, you have to match your card. Right. I imagine that all the TIE Fighter maneuvers are um, also going to be the same, so um, that sh- that should be totally fine. I'm not 100% on the, the rule. Um, speak but that, on but that, that, that but also has one that has a symbol on it. I mean, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the card. Uh, no, not necessarily. That used, really? to be the, that used to be the case, but once they came out with Scum and Villainy stuff where they were reusing, like, say, the Y-Wing... Mm-hmm. And and all of that. Initially, they said you couldn't, but a lot of people were upset about it. And Fantasy Flight gave in and said, "Okay, you know what? You're right. There is uh, basically what is on the maneuver dials is exactly the same. It's both say Y wing, so fine. You can use a Rebel Y wing dial um, with a Scum Y wing ship, so long as you have the actual um, the the template base." or the base template and the uh, the actual card for it, as long as those you're using uh, are correct, then you're fine for the other stuff. Um, Interesting. Now, now, I don't know if, like, for instance, the a lot of times that has to be specific. So, for instance, like, if it says um, the which specific ships can, can use them, then that would mean you would have issues here. But if it basically says so long as, so long as a ship is named the same for different factions you can use it or whatever if that makes sense um the verbiage is is very important for tournaments tournament settings very interesting mm-hmm. now the second one the second small one in this wave is one that i would have trouble playing without doing a lot of annoying like vocal things while i'm playing <laughs> because I feel like I'd be playing it, and I would have to constantly call it a quad jumper instead of a quad jumper. Uh-huh. And given Simon Pegg's involvement, I would either have to have the ship when it blows up something say F the prequels or something. Um, or I would, if it got damaged, I'd be sitting back there, there going, you're like, I'm doing it all she's got, Captain, or something. <laughs> really? Um, there's so much about this that just kind of cranks up the amusement factor for me, but I'm not sure... I mean, there's a heck of a lot of reference cards with this thing, so there mm-hmm. must be a lot of versatility to this craft that you, looking at a quad jumper, just doesn't, it doesn't scream versatile to me. Well, this... So what's, what's your take on this from, because you dig way deeper into the mechanics of just what we can see in the pictures than I do. So this is a really interesting ship. I don't know if that makes it a really good ship, but it's a really interesting ship. Um... So it, it it only does uh, you know it only rolls two attack die which is pretty weak. Um, the only other things that um, can do that are, are stuff like uh, like more swarm style ships. Um, you know it, it also only has two uh, two defense die that it's rolling. That's also really low. You know usually those and two no are, shields and absolutely zero shield and only has five hull. Uh, at 17 points for the, the most expensive, that's a little on the expensive side. Um, I mean, it, it's especially for, for what you're looking at just there, that's kind of on the expensive side. Uh, it has focus, it has barrel roll. That's kind of helpful, but 
it's I don't know. You know what? I say it's kind of helpful, but for Unkar plot, that's actually really helpful. That that barrel roll is going to be the thing that uh, you definitely want on there. So one thing that I like about um, well, let, let, actually first let me let me get into the um, the upgrades on it. Now it has the um, I can't remember the system modification or whatever. It's something new that came out with the uh, um, the Force Awakens expansion. I, I can't remember. Uh, I can't really remember what it is because I don't use them, and I don't know many people who who do as well. Uh, it has the illicit slot, which is is really neat, and it also has uh, bombs, and it has a crew slot. Now, what what makes this uh, Unkar, at least, which is the one that you can see, what makes him so cool is he is a pain in the butt. Like, that is... He is basically just there to get in the freaking way. Um, so what, what his card reads is, at the end of the um, activation phase, you must assign a tractor beam token to each ship you are touching. So... The main thing that you that you have to uh, remember with that is, don't fly this guy too close to your own guys, um, because if that ends up being your ship, you're going to tractor beam your own ship, and you don't want to do that. However, if you're using this guy for a blocker, then you can totally set up um, to to basically just run right into, uh, especially with such a, you know, that's another thing too. If you look at usually the hi the higher cost of a, um, a ship, the high, the more it has, um, or the, the higher the pilot skill is. And the reason for that is pi higher pilot skills go last. Um, which means that you can, you're one of the last ones to move. You've seen what everybody else did. So you can, uh, use some of your activations and stuff to, to make sure you're fine. You, you know, you want your higher pilot skill ships to go last. You want your better ships to go last, except for here. He is, um, potentially, I, I would say he's probably going to be your more expensive ship, but he has the second lowest pilot skill. And the reason why is because you want to force bumps with him. You want to essentially mm -hmm. say, all right, I see that ship that's going. I want to go before he goes because I want to fly in there. And even if I have to barrel roll right into his way, he's going to slam into me and get tractor beamed. And what tractor beam does is essentially it can allow you, especially if you're near debris, you can actually put somebody right on a rock and go, all right, buddy, now you can't attack this round because I just put you on a rock and you have to roll for damage. That can be such a pain in the butt. Um, that the mixed with the fact that he can also do feedback array, um, which uh, basically you just take damage yourself and then turn around and deal some damage to, uh, um, to a, an opponent that's close by. And then also he has uh, a bombs, uh, a bomb loadout. It's just like he is meant to just be a pain because, you know, especially if you combine those things, it can really make it frustrating for your opponent to try to say, OK, what do I need to do with this ship? Because he's yeah, he, he's easy to hit. He's um, he can go down pretty quickly. He shouldn't be a problem. But in the meantime, he's going to be an issue for me uh, because a lot of better ships like, say, Sunter Fell who are really, really hard to actually attack and get damage through, that ship, like, if you've got Sunter Fell, this ship is going to be a pain in the butt for you because if he blocks you, 
and you know now your your tractor beamed onto a uh, you know onto some debris or something or if he ends up dropping a bomb that's going to cause you to take damage or you know it's he's such a pain if he feedback arrays you there's just so much with this ship that can really really hurt uh glass cannons like that that would normally be just fine because they have um a lot to, to basically mitigate damage and keep from ever getting that damage. So now it's like, up. Oh, there's nothing you can do. You're taking this damage. So basically much like the character, as he appears in the film, we can just remember that Unkar Plutt seems to be kind of sticky. Yeah. And gooey. Yeah. Okay. He's, yeah, he's pretty yeah, much, he's, he's, he's creepy. Uh-huh. Um, now that one, uh, as I'm looking at the upgrade cards, I noticed, you know, we had that one where we're like, eh, that, that looks like Imperial Assault. It strikes me what we're looking at mm-hmm. um, because they actually ex- discuss it in their news release about the third of the ships, which is the Upsilon class shuttle, right? The one that's, that's basically Kylo Ren's ship. They said that the miniature is going to have the, the folding wings like the yeah. Lambda class shuttle does. But those cards that we were talking about, those are condition cards. Those are persistent effects that can be uh, uh, can afflict a ship like uh, like I'll show you the dark side has to do with basically as you're as you're dealt damage getting you know if it's regular damage getting essentially critical type damage mm-hmm. uh, of a certain type hitting you instead every time until that condition is removed so um, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about these black and white ones that look like uh, they're cards that you would expect out of Imperial Assault. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't name them before, but they're condition cards because there's also condition tokens to represent each one. Um, but what about this Upsilon class? It looks like a large size. It looks like basically of the same size class as like the Lambda Shuttle. Uh, of course, it's First Order. You've got condition cards. You've got Kylo Ren as both a pilot and a possible crew member. So, I mean, this one I think is the one that visually is the most stunning of them. But how versatile does it appear that it's likely to be game-wise? Uh, it looks like you can do a lot with this one. Um, and the main thing about it is just looking, you're, you're rolling four attack die. That's pretty massive. And in fact, a lot of, um, or not a lot of people, but uh, there was one uh, friend of mine uh, on, on the, uh, the Facebook page that, you know, we all kind of play together. And he's like, man, I bet the thing's going to move like a couch. I'm like, I don't think it is, man, because uh, look at the, you know, look at it costs 34 points. That's kind of expensive. I think this thing, it may not maneuver like a dream, but I think it's probably going to have a, a standard maneuver. I think it's going to definitely maneuver better than the Lambda shuttle. Because, um, I mean, it's, you know, it costs 34 points, but uh, it's, I think this one looks like a ship that I will want to play. Uh, it has um, four attack die. It only rolls one defense, but you've got six hull and six shields. Uh, looks like you've got two crew slots, uh, which can be really helpful, you know, uh, as opposed to it only having one. Um, I mean, some ships, like, for instance, the uh, the Decimator can uh, have up to three. But um, I see, you know, of course, with Kylo, you've also got your uh, elite pilot talent, and then you have two of those... Um, Special modification slots. I can't remember exactly what those are called. So, uh, you know, I think with with that stuff, that this thing could be a pretty beastly ship if you stack it out right. So yeah, I mean that sounds cool. I'm I'm very, I don't know. I 
I see these, and the draw for me a lot of times is, wow, that looks so cool, but then it's the question of how well it works, because for me, I'm picking up one of each anyway, and it's sort of a collection meets gameplay with the collection side taking precedence. So I'm always curious to hear your thoughts whenever you're starting to get into things like how this will actually realistically make a difference. Uh, I guess, unless we have more to add for X-Wing, that that kind of applies to our next one also, our next Mm -hmm. topic. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, they've just announced the, uh, they actually did two different news articles. They had the, uh, Jabba's Realm as well as, uh, uh, what was the other one called? Jabba's something, because I, I think I didn't, uh, actually The, the actual one. title, title of the article was The Battle for Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, so, so we had, uh, Battle for Tatooine as well as, okay, that's why I, I was confused, uh, as well as Jabba's Realm. Jabba's Realm. And these Realm are for? For Imperial Assault, sorry about that. Um. So Jabba's Realm is basically talking about the Jabba's Realm expansion box. The Battle for Tatooine is the four, um, what do they call them now, hero and villain packs? Um, uh, Ally and villain packs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that we've got coming with that. And I want all of them. (laughs) I probably want multiples of some, even. Uh, With the um, Jabba's Realm, oh, what's up? It's the Alliance Rangers. You really want a bunch of those Alliance Rangers, don't you? Yeah, I'll probably get a few. Because they look kind of like generic Alliance soldiers. But Yeah, but I mean... They'll be useful as heck. That's okay. Like. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fun. I, I always liked the whole indoor uh, soldier look. You want multiple Jabba's even though you can only play with one. Mm, yeah... That part. I'm I mean, just, I'm just messing. As soon as you said you wanted multiples, I'm like, where can I get him on the logic of multiples <laughs> of some of these? I can see you buying a bunch of Landos just because Lando. Well, so what I plan to do is buy multiples of the Lukes, but then I'm going to actually write in with a pen. I'm going to add an extra U. Oh, there you go. You've got your last <laughs> command. And you can have like a little card and you can change the name to last command. Yeah. Um, now, what I'm seeing here, uh, I would assume is, of course, this is going to be another of these. Here's the expansion. Mm-hmm. And now here are four different either characters or sets of characters represented by a token in the game and a deployment card. Whereas if you buy the ally or villain pack, here's more game cards plus a miniature and the same deployment card as a sort of more consumer-friendly way of doing it, unlike mm-hmm. Destiny that they're putting out uh, that we talked about last time. But I'm wondering because... The, if I remember correctly, the last of these big sets they put out, mm-hmm. there was at least one of these, one character that got an either ally or villain pack that didn't exist in the box as something with a token. It was entirely new, just kind of thrown in there out of left field. It looks like Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight, is going to be part of the box set. Right. Jabba is going to be part of the box set. But I can't really tell just looking at the pictures that they've shown us whether the Alliance Rangers or Captain Taro, which is basically a, a sand trooper guy riding, it looks like a do-back a or do-back. something. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell just by looking if those are ones that are actually in the box with a token or if those are going to be kind of like that last instance where, hey, here's the ones for the tokens, but let's also toss in some original stuff kind of out of left field to you. Can you tell based on what we're seeing here, what, whether we're looking at all you know, miniatures to go with things that had tokens in the box set, or if we're actually getting some of that new stuff thrown in too? I can't see, I can't tell, I can't make it out. 
If I had to guess, I would say probably not, just because I would think that it would be shown here, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is, because it doesn't show everything. Uh, so, uh, long story short, I have no idea. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, they show a, a great shot of all the different mi- uh, primary miniature types right. that we can expect, but they don't usually show a stack of, hey, here's what tokens are also in the box, at least not with their initial press releases. I, right. I do see one Alliance Ranger mm-hmm. as a token in one of the shots, so I guess that one's accounted oh, you're for, right. but yeah. I see nothing for that Captain Terra, which could mean is in it, could mean he's not. It's it's. Mm-hmm. It's just not within the reveal pictures that we've seen. Right. Um, I would think so. Um, and, and, and part of the reason that I would say uh, that, that I would think he might would be is just simply because you you can even notice that in this little collection set here, it doesn't have everything because it doesn't have the, the jump trooper either. So, um, I mean, granted, yes, it is down below, but it's not shown in that. So... Uh, I, th- I would think it probably will be in there. But the, the main thing that I want to talk about is that Rancor. Um, I, I won't exactly describe it in the way that I described it in my notes, but there's a Rancor coming. That's going to be awesome. And he's not even expensive. Um, he costs 10 points. That is so cheap. Luke Skywalker costs 12 points. He, you know, I mean, what, what's so cool about him too, he has uh, brutality, which means that he can make two attacks so he can attack uh it it has to be against two different targets but he's gigantic so it won't be very hard for him to attack two different targets i i I, that's awesome i mean just the fact that you're gonna get to play with a rancor now is great um right now we need maris brood and we need galen merrick at some point (laughs) because they're the only ones who you know consistently control those things or kill them well um there's also uh Darth Bane, the terribly created, but um, yeah. Or maybe, or, or maybe what we need is just a, a new villain pack with Malakili in it, the Rancor Keeper with the man boobs. <laughs> but he's got to be crying. And he's he's getting his own story now in canon. He he shows up in the pages of Life Debt, so he's getting some attention. They could theoretically easily bring him in here. That'd be uh, yeah. Have him be someone who turns out to be like a rebel or something, and he's able to basically tell a rancor on the opposite side, no, 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 you're gonna do what I say now, and you turn the rancor on its on its handlers or something. Um, that would be sweet, but it's not in this game, so I should no. probably stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, eighteen new map tiles. I mean, we're mm-hmm. getting new map pieces. We're getting a new campaign. I mean, it's. I know you're more of the skirmish guy, so you're thinking in terms of, you know, well, how will this play? In the, I, I'm right. kind of curious, like, what? how does a story progress forward? We've got two new heroes. One's an Aqualish. One's uh, a Rodian. Uh, we've got uh, the, the new map features, including, like, you know, the Pit of Carcoon is part of this. I'm kind of stoked for just uh, jet troopers. I mean, what kind of campaign missions are we going to get out of this? Because you can imagine mm-hmm. going up against a Rancor and jet troopers all kind of in the same right. scenario. Uh, this seems like it's going to be fun for those of us who play campaigns as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and the thing is, like, you've also got your uh, Gamorrean Guard, plus you have the weak way. Like, they just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm so excited about everything that they're packing in with us. I even love these. Uh, normally, I, I don't care too much about your uh, hero characters or whatever they're called. Um, but man, that Mandalorian looks awesome. Mm hmm. And you can so. totally do so. That's three of them. Yeah. So it's the Mandalorian plus the Rodian plus the uh, Aqualish. Mm-hmm. And you can totally 
you can totally finally get to play out your Star Wars Black Lives Matter protest fantasies. <laughs> because when you go up against the Gamorreans, you can do the whole pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon thing. Okay. I no, wasn't something no, I'd ever too, considered before, but... Too, too, too soon for that political humor? <laughs> um, but and man, that, I mean, and very detailed. That Gamorrean yeah. looks... I don't know that I've ever used these two words in the same sentence, but that Gamorrean looks gorgeous. Yeah. And that is a really well-sculpted mm-hmm. Gamorrean figure. Right? I mean, it's got even the, I guess it's like a like a like the belt that it wears. It almost kind of looks like the rings of a skirt kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, each individual little almost feather-looking piece is separately cut. I mean, that's a, they're, yeah. they're again, they're, they're carrying the detail really well into these minis. I just wish, and I'll say this every time, I wish they were painted. I know that it's for <laughs> that people who play the miniatures games most of the time where it's on the ground with figures and whatnot and those mechanics rather than ships tend to like to paint them themselves. But still, Fantasy Flight, God, I wish you would paint your Imperial Assault minis. The problem is that it would probably double the cost. Yes, it would crank the cost up quite a bit because you get a yeah. bunch of them. And or the, the quality would not be great compared to what most people could paint on their own. Do you, um, see, it's, you, know, it's, do, do you see a number? I'm not seeing a number yet as far as the number of new uh, minis. I'm seeing the number of map tiles as 18. How many uh-huh. new minis are we getting just in the campaign box? You know what? I've, I, I'm not even seeing on that, so I'm not sure. Um, if I had to guess, uh, you know, if I, if I had to guess, I would think that we're only getting, um, you know what? Th- like, they're actually purposely cutting some things out. So, so for instance, with jet, the Jet Trooper, I'm, I would say we're probably only going to get two Jet Troopers. Maybe they'll give us four. Uh, like, for instance, if they do an Elite card for it. Yeah, because it's two um, per deployment card. Right. Okay. But if, if you notice on that, uh, the deployment card for the Gamorrean is cut off, and there isn't even one for the weak way. So that's interesting. I, they're, they're purposely kind of uh, keeping that from us. So I don't know. But, you know, I, I do want to kind of move, jump over to uh, Jabba real quick. Yeah, Jabba, how do you, I mean, would he have, like, a move of nothing? I mean, I I can't imagine Jabba in, like, physical combat. I know we've seen Hutt's in Mm -hmm. physical combat in some stories previously, but Jabba himself, I don't see him getting out there and fighting amongst the rabble. So he's almost got to play, I would think, kind of like that Imperial, what is it? It's like an Imperial commander or something from the first mm-hmm. set where he's more about giving the orders than about his own movement. But even then, he could tactically move around to keep from getting killed. Well, so I got to say, so there's two things about him. Uh, he can only move at a speed of two. That's super slow. Um, he His attack is actually pretty good. Now, it's it's a melee only, so he's not going to be able to, to shoot anyone, but he rolls a red and green die. Um both of those are good. Red die is going to have the most uh, potential damage, mm-hmm. whereas green is uh, really good for adding bonuses and things. And he's a space killer too, right? I mean, I'm looking at the miniature. This looks like we're talking about a four-block mini, kind of like the Nexu was, right? Um, yeah, that's that's what it seems to look like to me as well. Yeah, yeah it'll be, I, I it'd be like a two-by-two mm-hmm. two square you would need on the map just to be able to place him. Right. 
Right. Uh, another interesting thing about him is if you look at the card, most of the time they will actually have sort of their little attack bonus type things. He has none. So even if you roll a surge, he doesn't have any sort of surge potential. Hmm. So, but, so you could say that he's a surge protect. Never mind. <laughs> so um, the the cool thing, he is more of a... Uh, um, He's more of your commander type, which is which is good. Um, that that's what you really want him to be. In fact, his uh, his ability, I think it says uh, execution order, is another um, scum card or whatever they call him. I think they call him mercenaries in this game. Uh, figure uh, of your, I guess it's choice, may interrupt to perform an attack. So that's pretty cool. Um, now it's a. Uh, that's kind of interesting because if that's all that it reads, and I think that's all that it reads, then that means just any anywhere on the board, you can go, hey, you, you get an extra attack. Wow. Yeah. And I noticed that he he's the only one of these, mm-hmm. uh, when I look at the different individual ally and villain packs, he's the only one that is going to play a little bit different between skirmish and campaign because he's the only one that has the two different deployment cards. Right, yeah. It's like yeah, Luke that's, that's a- will play the same in either different version of how you're playing the game, whereas in this case, you've got your two um, that have... Uh, you can't tell exactly what the text is just looking at the cards in the image, but you can tell there's a substantial difference um, to the game text on him. Right. So, huh. I don't know. I, I'm always intrigued by the way that they're they're developing these things, um, but I, if you had asked me at the beginning of this game... Hey, do you think we'll ever get a job of the hut mini for this? I would have said, "You're crazy," because <laughs> I just could not imagine job of the hut being in play as a mini. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll reserve judgment until I actually see how it plays, and I think this is going to be one of those ones where I'm going to be itching to really get into the the campaign mode for this to to see Jabba in action because it's. If it's anything like what they've done with the previous sets, the game mechanics will fit enough of the feel of Star Wars to be exciting to, to try out for the first time. Well, so the great thing about this is that Scum has just not had any sort of leader card prior, um, which is why you've it's caused them to kind of be more expensive because you would have to either play the, um, uh, what's it, the ally card, you know, basically where you can mix them with either Rebels or Imperial. Well, and, and you said Scum, we should clarify this. It, the, the slang a lot of people are calling these are like scum, scum and villainy like the other games, but in the parlance of Imperial Assault, they're not scum and villainy, they're just mercenaries. Right, right. Which, theor- which from a thematic standpoint, makes a lot more sense to be able to fit with either side because right. they're mercenaries. Right. Guns exactly. for hire. Right. Uh, but but anyhow, point being, it's great to actually get a leader, and not only that, I mean, he he's... He is awesome. I mean, he's really good. I mean, he has um, Bully, which is just, you know, you have him uh, give a figure of your choice within a certain amount of spaces that can't be seen. Uh, you can make them suffer three strain. Well, strain, strain is basically, so for instance, you have three. In order to recover strain, what you have to do pretty much immediately is you have to discard three of your command cards off the top of your deck. In skirmish. Mm-hmm. So the thing with that is that if you are if you're going to take um, 
you know, if you're going to suffer, uh, if you're going to remove three command cards, which, which is his, I mean, it's for whatever, how much ever strain you end up taking, it's three here. Losing three command cards is, is nasty. So, uh, the, the thing is, your, your only other option is to just take three damage. Um, so a lot of people have been saying, you know, he is great against the whole, uh, the troop list that a lot of people have been doing because you, you look at like, uh, the stormtroopers and stuff like that. He can just basically immediately cause stormtroopers. I mean, even look at the, the jet trooper here, three health. So it's basically, okay, fine. You either, uh, need to discard three of your command cards or you're going to lose this jet trooper. So that is nasty i mean that that is he's got some serious stink eye going on basically <laughs> with his bully ability uh-huh. um i mean i mean he, he needs to be he needs to be pretty powerful right. just from a a balancing the visual aspect because i'm looking at the miniature here and whereas i usually praise their mini sculpting uh-huh. i gotta tell you while jabba's body looks like it's sculpted well he really looks like he's doing a derp face <laughs> so it sort of seems like he's like you know, and but he's still able to give you a stink eye even like that. So yeah, so, I think yeah, like like think Jabba nineteen ninety seven special editions rather than every time they've revamped him since then in the Han scene. I don't think he's quite that bad, but I do think that he's perhaps a cross between that and and your Return of the Jedi Jabba. Um, so I, I do agree with you there. I think that the the sculpt could have looked a little better, but it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah, and and imagine the paint schemes they'll be able to put on this guy. That's true. Um, I'm thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe I should get two Jabba's and uh, I can turn one of them into a Zero the Hut. Hey, I've got a cat that does projectile snot when he sneezes. That would make a perfect coating for it and it would look <laughs> film accurate. That's disgusting. Yes, uh, yes it is, isn't it? <laughs> so I guess um, since we have been going pretty long, uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and jump straight to um, some of the mechanics of, the, uh, of Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker and this is Luke. This is a different Luke now. We've mm-hmm. had a Luke Skywalker before. It was an ally pack packed in with the original set. So what we've got here is a Jedi Luke, right? We should clarify. And this is a really interesting, um, an interesting uh, character because on the the actual Fantasy Flight forums, there have been there's been a mix of people uh, that are excited and saying this thing is m- just ridiculous versus the other people who are saying this stinks like why you know i I hate that this is what we got what um i've seemed to notice about it is the people who don't like it are the campaign players the skirmish players love it and what's so cool about him is that uh he has heroic which is uh once during your activation you may uh, perform a free action so that means you can do anything that's an action for free. For instance, that means that you can attack. So since that doesn't cost you anything, um, and the way the rules read out, that means you can attack twice with Luke. Uh, you should never, even with the old Luke Skywalker, you should never put Luke Skywalker in your list without the Son of Skywalker command card, which allows you to um, basically, after someone goes, and you'll do it when... Uh, you'll play that card when um, your opponent goes. So that then you turn around and just ready your Luke Skywalker uh, command card again. So then it's basically like he never went this turn. So that means that that's an additional two, uh, two attacks there. So right there, Luke can attack four times on that turn. 
And then, of course, there's Princess Leia, who's great to play with Luke because uh, her ability allows you to continue to reshuffle uh, cards as, as a part of her surge ability. Uh, she can use her surge to reshuffle command cards back into your command deck, um, which causes you to draw that Son of Skywalker a lot. But on top of that, she has her... Um, uh, abil- I can't remember exactly what the name of the ability is, but it allows her to have, before she attacks, have another player interrupt and make an attack. So that means this Luke Skywalker could potentially attack five times in one round. I'm so impressed that you just got through that uh-huh. with just regular speaking. You guys, when this was announced <laughs> and the images started showing up online, I get a Facebook message that's just frantic with excitement <laughs> from Michael like oh my god oh my god so what you're hearing now is the calmer we are both just as as cracked at times it's just that he's able to contain his crackness to messaging before the show's happened. my randomness <laughs> right. tends to happen during the show right um so do you think that if he's going to be able to potentially get five attacks out of it, I think that's just a creative use of the game mechanics and it's certainly fair play. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but do you think that this is something where we can expect that if it starts being used frequently uh, on a competitive level that we're going to see Fantasy Flight games turn around and try to clamp down on it with either some kind of disrupting mechanic to it or just doing like a, a rule change update that would somehow keep that from happening? No. Is this a safe thing to make part of your ongoing strategy so i say um i say it's totally fine and and the reason why is what they've done uh the dice that they're having him throw are not for instance he doesn't throw a red die and that's your big damage dealing die if he threw even one red die yeah, that would just be sick. That would just be way too much uh, for and there's him. There's no way right now in the game to give him a red die that I can think of. No, um, okay. there there are ways to swap out dice, but typically that is um, that is on cards that are specific to that character. For instance, they can't okay. say, "Oh, ha- you know, have an ally do it." It's always you may swap this out. Um, so. With him, I don't believe there's any way to, to give him a red die to throw. And on top of that, you know, he throws um, one blue, one green, and one yellow. That's three dice, so that is kind of, you know, that that's a good bit, um, as opposed to throwing two. But your blue die is your, uh, that's your... Um, uh, it's, that's typically more for range, I believe. Maybe it's the yellow that's more for range. I can't remember. And and on top of that, this isn't. He cannot do ranged attacks. Um, the, they all have to be melee attacks. So that's another way to really um, to kind of shorten that down. Because the thing is, yeah, he may be kind of uh, powerful and may be able to do some damage. But you with that action, you know what? You may not get both uh, actions as attacks because one of them may have to be to do a move. Um, so what they need now is they then need to have someone like Kane and Jarrus because Luke gets to a point where he's using essentially just the lightsaber, but Kanan, lightsaber and blaster constantly side by side and give him something like this. Well, then he'd be unstoppable uh, or, yeah. or he'd be just more versatile. But I, but I don't think they want to break the game like that. Oh, I know. As I was saying, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying to make it fair. I'm just saying that'd be sweet. Right. Um, I mean, it'd be cool if my side got some cool extra stuff. 
so the, and then the other thing that um about this because I, I think honestly with those three die that kind of makes his attacks too weak but he has an innate uh plus one damage so if if say you roll three damage then his innate uh plus one will, will make it four damage very nice it feels like they've kind of thought and i, I always say you know they, it seems like they really kind of thought through sort of what to expect out of these th- these characters thematically you know like the idea that you know well he's a jedi now He's going to be more precise with his attacks, whether they're strong or weak, therefore will have the extra plus one and so on. I mean, that I think is good. I'd be interested at some point, I would love for them to put out in their weekly, you know, uh, or frequent news updates and whatnot on the website. Instead of just telling us about the product that's coming and, hey, look at this cool game thing it can do, to really go into the nitty gritty of but why is it done this way? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and the same kind of goes with the RPGs. The RPGs, they have this whole thing in uh, Nexus of Power where they talk about Onderon and Tython and, and Osis. Um, and they refer back, actually, something that uh, uh, Keith, a buddy of mine on Facebook, um, actually introduced to it because he worked on the book, um, which is, well, we're going to call them the, the Keldroma Epics and the Revan mythologies as sort of a way of blurring those lines of, of canon. And he could explain to you exactly why that approach was taken to that particular part of the book. Why is it written that way? And you can ask probably any of the game designers about any of these miniatures. Why were the game mechanics for this one designed exactly the way that it was? And I think we get a fascinating answer about it. I would love for them, even if it's like one miniature every month or maybe rotating one every week from each of the three miniatures games. I would love to see them talk about how they're matching theme to mechanics because they always hype that up at the beginning of a new product launch. Mm-hmm. And then we don't ever really get to hear the rationale behind it in those news releases. It's all, it's all more, here's what it can do, not why it can do what it does. I, right. it, it's an intriguing part of this stuff that I love talking about and I, I, I love picking your brain about, but at the same time, I'm kind of feeling like, Boy, there's an there's an an opportunity here for Fantasy Flight to really get out there and get some engaging discussion going on this kind of stuff if they were to put that type of information front and center in articles. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's the thing, and I, and I don't think they expl- explicitly say it, but I think a lot of times you can look at the stuff and and understand this is because of this, that's because of that, and you know, yeah. for instance, like the heroic. I don't necessarily think. Well, I, I mean, like, yeah, it, it's not meant to just be more attacks all the time. It's meant more of, you know, you can you can add the speed, and then you can also add the attacks if you need to. And I think that a lot of that, especially from the, the sculpt that they have, because the, the funny thing is, because a lot of times with games, you may, you've got a lot of people who actually play these games that aren't huge Star Wars fans. Um, there, was a, there was a few people who kept going... Why isn't he in his Jedi garb? Why isn't he in his Jedi garb? I don't understand. Like that, that miniature doesn't look right. What, what's up with that? And and uh, you know, there one some one person actually did jump in and say, well, that's because he is in his Jedi garb. He has the tabard that he had um, at the beginning of the movie, and that's that's kind of the thing. This is sort of uh, this card seems to be, or at least you know, this the idea for him seems to be uh, the sail barge. Uh, the I guess the the assault on the sail barge 
that is what uh, we're kind of getting here. So with that heroic, you know, it's Luke basically swinging like a baseball bat at everything around him, you know, just jump here, take you out, jump here, take you out, you know. Um, so I, I think that they really do a great job of, um, of making the stuff make sense for, for where, the, uh, where the, the stuff comes from, you know. Um, but yeah, perhaps they, they may want to be a little more um, explicit, I guess, on, on why they decided certain abilities should match where. All right. I'm good. If you don't have any other new news, I think we've kind of, uh, I, I would imagine us smacking the crap out of that uh, bantha carcass with some sticks. <laughs> beating some dead banthas. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, at this point, I, I still think... There's a uh, lot to cover, too. Yeah, yeah, there was. I mean, we, we've been going for about two hours now, but, uh, I mean, we, we really didn't cover the, the Rangers or the um, Captain Taro. Uh, I, I'd like to do that more, but, you know, maybe we'll we'll try and uh, catch them on, on next time. Because, uh, like I said, we, we have been going for two hours, so try not to... Um, put too much strain now that we all know what that means now right uh, <laughs> on uh, on our listeners so uh, and, and don't worry because if you go buy some of those old soft drinks you could pay a surge <laughs> to uh to remove some strain right so now, uh, now does that work it like you could trade a surge if you're trading a surge for strain does that mean that you could like have like a 12 pack of the soft drink and trade it in for a blu-ray of like season one of uh, the strain you know what? Let's let's Damn try it. it and find out. I took it too far and it lost the funny. My bad. <laughs> no, you're good. So um, anyhow, if if uh, you want to send us an email and say, hey guys, let, let's let's shorten this down. This is too much. Or you know what? I like these longer episodes or whatever. Sup guys? LOL. Star Wars, right? IKRs. Uh, you can. Always- when are you going to talk about Pokemon Go strategies? <laughs> I have them, but this really isn't the the, the podcast for that. But um, God, you too, dude. It's you it too, is it Michael. is it is fun, man. It is fun. Even my wife, who wasn't into it uh, growing up, she's like, "This game's fun." When are we? When are my we going hiking again? As well. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyhow. If if you want to talk to us about Pokemon Go, you can reach us, reach out to us, and, and talk to us about that. Of course, I'm uh, on Twitter at Morris Isley. Uh, that's probably the the better place to uh, talk Pokemon Go, I suppose. Uh, but if you want to talk about Star Wars stuff as well, uh, CloudCityCasino at Gmail dot com, or we're just you know at CloudCityCasino on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and then, of course, we're on the StarWarsReport.com website. Uh, we're actually now also on the um, Star Wars. Uh, podcasting app in the Google Play Store, as well as iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn. Uh, and then, of course, always leave us a five-star written review, preferably, uh, but definitely go over there and, and, and do a uh, written review for us um, on iTunes at the very least, because that helps with the algorithm algorithms and things. So, uh, Nate, what all you got for, uh, I know you've got some new stuff going on. That's true. Well, uh, if you want to check out uh, the Star Wars Timeline Gold, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere, you can find that at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash timeline. I am hard at work on the last bits that I want to get in for the 2016 edition, so sometime in about the next two months, you'll be seeing the 2016 edition of that finally coming out uh, right around its 19th anniversary. Holy crap, it's going to be 20 years next year. Um, I need to get another hobby. Um <laughs> Then, of course, you can also find the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash chrono. 
radio or just search Nathan Butler um, and you'll find it. And there's some new stuff up there. I just recently did some video reviews, finally, for Force and Destiny Nexus of Power, Force and Destiny Savage Spirits, for the, the Force Awakens beginner game, if you want to see what the different components look like. Um, also just did some more live streaming of Star Wars or Lego Star Wars materials, so now there are uh, Let's Play live streams on my channel of all of the different story missions from Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. The 12 that cover the movie, the 6 that are those extra new Star Wars adventures as they call them, and The Phantom Limb also had one go up. So, oh, and, and new episodes of From the Star Wars Home Video Library. Just did one on the screener of Ewoks. Uh, that is Ewoks The Haunted Village on the uh, UK Steelbook edition of Rebel Season 1 and of the DVD and Blu-ray releases from the UK of The Force Awakens. So lots of new YouTube content uh, very recently. Awesome, dude. So yeah, everybody uh, for sure go check that out. Um, but for this, we are out. So uh, never forget. Let the Wookiee win. All right.